Geology is the study of the earth. The rocks of which it is composed and the processes by which they change over time. When I ask the website called Quora about the specific study of rocks, I got an answer from an AI bot. That is, an artificial intelligence web robot that runs automated tasks over the internet. Quora's AI bot is named Sage, and Sage told me this. The study of rocks is called petrology. It's important because rocks are the building blocks of the Earth's crust, and they hold valuable information about the planet's history, structure, and composition. With petrology, scientists can study the formation, alteration, and movement of rocks, which in turn can help us understand the processes that have shaped our planet and the natural resources that it holds. Additionally, petrology allows us to study the Earth's past environments and climates, which can inform our understanding of the Earth's current and future environments. All of that from the brain of a computer. Those things are getting way too smart these days, you know? Jesus said to Simon, his passionate, maybe petulant disciple, upon this rock, upon you, Simon, the rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And with that bold pronouncement, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. The church has been built upon the rock of Peter, so church history, in a manner of speaking, might be regarded as Peterology. Physical rocks are petrology. This Lenten series, all these presentations on these elements of earth, has given me a chance to review so much that I have forgotten since Mr. Samford's seventh grade earth science class back in 1976. A lot has changed in this world since 1976, but rocks, well, not so much. You know, rocks stay pretty much the same. Petrologists will tell you there are still three types of rocks. I learned about them in Mr. Sanford's class. Igneous, metamorphic, and sedimentary. Let me give you a very quick view just in case you've forgotten as much as I have. Igneous rocks form when hot molten rock crystallizes and solidifies. The melt originates deep within the earth and, it, and then the rocks rise toward the surface. Metamorphic rocks start out as some other type of rock but are substantially changed when subjected to high heat, high pressure, or hot mineral-rich fluids. Sedimentary rocks, which are not to be confused with sedentary rocks, I guess all rocks are sedentary, unless somebody throws one through a window, or your little David facing the mighty Goliath with your slingshot. But sedimentary rocks are formed from pre-existing rocks or pieces of once living organisms. They form from the deposits that accumulate and they often have distinctive layering. I know you're glad to have that review of the three types of rocks. Igneous, from the Latin word which means fire. Metamorphic from the Greek word for change, and sedimentary from the French word for settle. Now we think of rocks as solid, unmoving, unchanging, but even as their origins indicate, all rocks are the result of the processes of change. Long, slow change. 
high heat, high stress, great pressures that change one substance into another. All these unchangeable stones are then subject to future change, being crushed or melted, transformed anew into solid, unmoving, again unchanging rocks. Now while rocks are officially not living things, the Trovant stone in Romania is known to locals as the growing stone. It's also known by the German name Sandstein Konkretianen. Say that five times fast. I had to work on that a long time to be able to say it for you. Sandstein Konkretianen. It means cemented sand. These unusual looking stones, which have become tourist attractions, change over time. They grow into peculiar shapes with rounded protrusions which slowly expand. When a chemical reaction sets in between the layers of deposits and mineral carbonates in the presence of rainwater, the stones change and grow. Living among the people of Romania, the oddest, most paradoxical neighbor you could ever imagine, a living stone. Which is, by the way, one of the many descriptions of Jesus in our Bible. The second chapter of 1 Peter is a veritable treasure trove of stone metaphors and a jackpot for a preacher talking about rocks. Rid yourselves of all malice and guile, insincerity, evil, slander. Come to Jesus, a living stone. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house a holy priesthood, for it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious. The stone the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, a rock that makes them fall. From a pastor's perspective, here's what you need to know about rocks today. There are the igneous and metamorphic and sedimentary types of rocks, but scripture says, like Jesus, we can also be living stones, unchanging until great pressures and time transform us, unmovable unless and until we can be useful, stepping stones for the downtrodden and stumbling blocks to those who are enemies of the good. Jesus said he would build his church on that kind of living stone. Today, he may just be talking to us. If you've missed the last four weeks of this Lenten series, you can certainly go back anytime and be educated on ash, sand, darkness, water, and mud. Next week, we get wood, and I have learned a lot. Today's text from the Gospel of John mentions stone twice. Now, this is a long story, and I've cut it for you. I'm, I'm not even reading all 45 verses. I didn't print them all. I'm just going to read what I've put here. I've put the story together. Four times Lazarus in this story is called upon to recount for someone what actually happened to him. And stone is mentioned twice. I'll try to point those out as we get there. 
Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. We know that they were very good friends of Jesus. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord, the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That is going to really get on Mary and Martha's nerves in a little bit. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going there again? Your life is at stake, Jesus. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. And after saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. More stuff happens, then Jesus arrives. And he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, course Jesus wasted two staying where he was that's what Martha and Mary were thinking now Bethany was near Jerusalem some two miles away and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother when Martha heard that Jesus was coming she went and met him on his way in while Mary stayed at home and Martha said to Jesus Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's not good enough. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. But you can hear her thinking, I just want Lazarus to be alive. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, that big rock standing in between life and death. They took it away, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And that dead man came out and he cried with a loud voice Lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go 
Jesus called in the troops to unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. You have heard the ancient story. Lazarus, come out. All the time, we are given the opportunity to call people to come out. Come out of despair. Come out of loneliness. Come out of self-pity. Come out of chaos. Come out of regret. Come out of shame. Come out of denial. Come out of abuse. Come out of anxiety. Dare I say, every day, we are presented with a situation where we are standing on the edge of someone's death. And if we are attentive and alert, we will recognize the occasion for what it is, a holy moment to bring life to someone who is dying. Every day, we are presented with the opportunity to roll the stone away that blocks the living and the dead. The rock that separates life from death. Now, let me just cut to the chase with a spoiler alert. Lazarus eventually dies. It's easy to get caught up in this story wishing for everyone to live, to always live. Obviously, we've been created to live, to live fully until that time when we all die. So the story can catch us off guard a little bit because what we all just want is to live, like literally live. And we want everyone that we know and love to live literally live. Doctors and nurses dedicate their whole lives to a failing enterprise. They spend years studying and tons of money to learn how to keep people living and living well. All that they go through to in the end know that everyone's outcome is the same. Death. So eventually, Lazarus dies. So what are we to make of this story? It's truly one of the greatest scenes in the Bible, I think. What I love most about it is Martha getting a little bit vexed with Jesus that he didn't get there sooner. He does have a bit of lollygagging going on, it seems like. And haven't we all had that feeling before when someone finally arrives that you've been waiting for with, where have you been? Things would have been different if Jesus had gotten there sooner. Now, Jesus wasn't one to recite his to-do list so that people could appreciate how busy he was. You know people like that. Sometimes I am people like that. You want me to tell you what all I have to do today? I don't think you want to hear it. But Jesus wasn't like that. 
He just was constantly on the move from here to there, bringing people to life. That's all. No biggie. So here's what I make of this story where Lazarus lives before he eventually dies. Jesus arrives a little late in the view of Martha and Mary, but he does arrive and he stands on the edge of Lazarus' death and he calls him to life. Come out. Come out for what? Come out to live until you die. People need to be called out of their dying places and brought into new life. We read these stories in the Bible and they seem so magical as to be unbelievable. The Bible is so spiritual as to be true. People are in all kinds of places of death today. Hurt, sadness, grief, despair, brokenness, hardship, anger, fear, self-loathing. People are in all kinds of places of self-harm. They are tired and lonely and anxious. Look around. They're all dying. The world seems like it's on fire and people are just on the edge of death waiting and looking for someone, anyone, to call them out into the land of the living. People are in their caves of death waiting for someone to come and roll that rock away. Now, the land of the living isn't always puppies and roses. Into every life, plenty of rain falls. We're not calling people out to come into a new way that is magical and where everyone is happy and giddy all the time. That's not real. If we're going to do anything, let's at least tell the truth about what life holds when you come out of death. Life is hard. Sorrows will come. Disappointments will strike. We will know pain and we will know suffering. We will all die, even Lazarus. But we don't all have to die every day. That's what people are doing. They are dying a little bit inside every single day. There is life to be lived until we die. And some of that life is tough, and some of that life is overwhelming, and some of that life is full of pain. That's why we have to keep calling each other to come out. Come out and give this a try. Come out and unwrap yourself from the grave clothes. But wait, you don't have to come out and unwrap yourself. Let us unwrap you and unbind you and set you free. Come out and be free from self-loathing. Be free from the anxiety. Be free from the despair. Be free from the chaos. Be free from the fear that captures you and keeps you immobilized from doing what it is God is calling you to do. I have a sneaky suspicion that one reason people keep showing up here is with the hope that somebody 
will say to them, hey, you, come out. Hey, you, come out. I hear you. I see you. I believe in you. I'm with you. All the time. Everywhere. Jesus just called people into life. He spent his whole life going from here to there, rolling away the rocks that weigh us down. The ups and the downs, the joys, the sorrows, all of life's goodness amidst all the evil that is a part of this life. There was just a calm about him that called people to live fully into the here and now until that time when they are called to live in another realm of the presence of God. Let us not miss this time in the presence of God. Come out of whatever place it is that you feel dead so that you may live. Because we need to tell another truth. Sometimes life is beautiful and full of love. And sometimes life is utter joy. And sometimes we do have a peace that passes understanding. And sometimes we cannot experience those kinds of joys and loves and hopes and happinesses until we have lived in some of our deaths. So in this season of Lent, as we anticipate resurrection good news of Easter, it's the perfect time for me to try to roll the stone away, removing the block and the rock that keeps you from living, and say, if you find yourself living on some edge of death, come out. Come on out and live. Live fully until you die. And then even in death, I trust that there is still more life. Come out, come out, wherever you are, just come out and live. May it be so. Amen.